we thank you guys for joining us for another Land and Legacy podcast. This is your host, Adam Keith and Matt Dye. And we are live and on location today. Whoop, whoop. We'll talk about the location here in a little bit. But first off, you guys have probably seen some stuff. You may you may be listening to us on um, Nine Finger Chronicles RSS feed. Um, you may just see some of our activity on their page and vice versa. And this is just another reminder that in the coming two weeks, two weeks, two yeah. weeks, we are going to be completely switching to the Nine Finger Chronicles RSS feed, and we're no longer going to be in our normal location. That sounds like a TV channel. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? <laughs> so we are going to be switching over there so that you guys need to go ahead, if you're not already, go ahead and start shifting over there. Subscribing and, uh, to subscribing to his feed. stuff, liking his page. Yep. And uh, and if you don't, if and if you haven't already liked our page, go ahead and give it a like. Hopefully, <laughs> yeah. um, you're late. Us, shoot us some questions. Overdue. That's honestly one of our favorite parts is getting the questions and hearing about each person's problem and and trying to find a solution to help them out. That's that's honestly one of my most favorite things about this whole job. I guess is is hearing people's problems or their little something that's going on in their property and then trying to fix it. Mm-hmm. And um, sometimes it always takes a little tweaking here and there. Like oxymoron, but, but sometimes it always, it yeah. almost always takes a new set of eyeballs um, to figure out the, the solution. So, um, yeah. So go ahead and start getting ready to make that shift over there and find out or and be joining us at the Nine Finger Chronicles RSS feed on iTunes. Um Right now they're transitioning all of our older stuff, but two weeks, our our current fresh stuff is going to be there. So you're going to want to switch over, and um, we're excited because we're joining forces with with um, Dan and and his podcast and listeners. It's going to be um, great transition. Just wanted to make the reminder and thank everyone for listening each week. It's awesome. You're talking about feedback and and hearing back from people. Um, each week about what we're talking about and just adding to that. And we're just, we're thankful for, for everyone to be listening and commenting, liking, sharing this and that. It's just fun to see it. It's it encouraging to, to both of us. Oh my gosh. To yeah. continue doing it each week. We, um, and finding, we look forward to doing this each week. This is not yeah. one of those things like, ah, oh, we gotta do a podcast. It's like sweet podcast day. And, and most of the time we always almost struggle to, figure out what we're going to talk about because we have so many topics yeah. and then somebody might throw in a curveball and say, Hey, what about this? And you're like, and oh, it's like, Oh, we do need to talk about that. Great idea. So, um, this is a good chance for Matt and I to get together and talk without our wives trying to hush us. <laughs> I was going to say, we're always together. And yeah, we get like that. It was last night. We got the boot. They had their little side conversation and we're trying to have our own other one. And we have to sidebar a lot. Oh Yeah. For sure, for sure. Anyway, um, th- so now we've covered that. You're going to go ahead and start making the shift over. Now, we're at a new location for a podcast today. Big for, announcement. For uh, the time being. I don't know how often we'll be here. Recording, but. But we're here today. We are going into real estate for Mossy Oak Properties of the Heartland. And... Matt's in the office. I came down here. Matt's finished up. I'm still working on it. Um, s- coming soon, hopefully. And we are going to be selling real estate 
um, for Moss Hill Properties of the Heartland out of five counties here in southern Missouri. Yes, uh, we kind of are. Uh, I don't know. It was just a kind of a timing thing where it was like you know, uh, the Brian uh, approached us and and said there was a new office opening up. He was wanting to form an office, start an office down here in Branson, and it was just a good timing for us to spend some days in the week uh, of the week in the office, and it allows us to see more land and meet more landowners. And and I was I was talking to someone the other day, and it's like, wait, you guys are doing real estate, kind of. I guess why? Well, honestly. If anyone's listened to the podcast, they know how much we love land, working with land. This is just another I, I feature. I think they have an idea, yeah. but they don't really truly know. <laughs> it's true. It's kind of like, wow, well, how bright's the sun? Well, yeah. how much do you love land? Like, yeah. you really don't know, but it's yeah. a lot. Yeah. So this is just, this is another way for us to be able to have our hands on it. And, and we know how much we love land, and if people are out there looking to buy land, we want to help them find the right property that suits their needs. And then, in addition, help them convert that property and make additions and make some um, enhancements to it to meet their goals. Every property has the right person out there to buy. And, you know, I was talking with them the other I can't remember who it was, but it's like, you don't need to sell land. Land sells itself. Like, it's just the right buyers out there. It's just a matter of finding them. And that's exciting for, for, me, for us. What I like is is having a, a, a landowner have us out and we look at their property. And they're looking at it from a, let's just keep it simple and say they're looking at it as an apple. And it's really an orange. Mm-hmm. And it's appreciating it for being an orange. Yep. And I hope that's a simple analogy that gives a pretty good idea. Like, you want to turn this into a, a cattle property? Well, honestly, this is a dynamite quail property and a cattle property it, mm-hmm. it's the best of both worlds or it's a timber property and you want to they're looking at it as trying to turn it into an ag field and you're like yeah no yeah. come on like <laughs> well, there, there, there's a and and finding ways to make income that's kind of been our thing is mm-hmm. a lot of clients are toying ideas and they say wow I'll, I'll gladly have you back or i'll buy your dinner you you saved me thousands of dollars exactly and that's a big part of what we do because we come from that background of managing on budgets and, oh, yeah. and weighing out and prioritizing what do we need to do to improve this, but not, frankly, not end Break up getting bank. divorced yeah. because I spent all the money we had or exactly. not go broke and lose it to the bank because of that. So that's a big reason why the real estate's a great option for us, and, and we're so pumped up to be doing it, and we can't wait to see what that what the future holds for that. Yeah. So but don't think we're going anyway with podcasts. No, we're going to be here or, forever. Or consulting. This is just an added an added feature to to what we can do and offer and and it's going to be awesome. I mean, it it just makes sense for us to get into it um and hopefully if you if you know anybody in Southwest Missouri that's needing property, that has property they want to list or sell, let us know, reach out to us and and we'll contact them and in addition, if you know someone who's looking for that right property down here, whether it's hunting, lake stuff, um, a farming operation, cattle, you name it, reach out. We'd love to set them up and okay. find that right place. So we knocked that out. Now what's up next? Hit list. Yeah. It is 2017. August 24th. 
It's your birthday. Hey, I, I gotta make that announcement. I, I, I had to make it very clear. Like, okay, I wasn't dude, forgetting. When about are you gonna you? mention this? I to, wasn't. Come on, come now. on. I want to toot it right here. Toot that horn. That big old thirty horns just honking. Yeah. Oh man, thirty. How does yeah. it feel? It doesn't feel like any different than any other day. Liar. To be honest with you. Look no, me really, in the eyes and tell me. I'll tell you that <laughs> right now. Um, it was like, well, when we prayed at lunch and you mentioned my birthday, I kind of like looked up for a second. I was like, oh yeah, it is my birthday. Oh, that's right. It Darn is. it. I'm thirty. Um, but yeah, you're uh, in, you you were in your thirties. I'm in my thirties, not quite yet. Uh, seven. I th- I don't even remember when I was born. I think it was in the afternoon. So, oh. but I'm thirty now. So let's just put that behind us. All right. On Happy birthday to Adam. Yeah. Um, but the hit list. It's late August. By now, most of us have got had cameras running for probably several months, and we've built up an inventory of the bucks on our property. And Matt and I wanted to take some time and talk about the hit listers that are on our property. And kind of uh, some of their past the history history with them. with them and how we're going to plan our attack, if you will. Uh, first off, always got to start with the home property. Um, the home property is my family farm, but it's also my, my lease, which is the Prairie Hollow property. It's just 900 acres all, all conjoining right there. So it, it hunts like the same. We share it. There's a lot of the same bucks on both of them. And, and actually right now, several of the hit listers are on the Prairie Hollow property. But as we get into it, you'll realize that a lot of them spend most of the fall on my exactly. family farm. And that's kind of all of the approach. Um, no, so, target number one for me, do you got something you well, want to Well, I was just going to say, I, I think it, as everyone's starting to adjust and, and you know get in the mind frame of hit list, what we want to do today is have your, have your mind thinking about your, la- your past encounters with them. What have you seen over the past couple of years? And whether it's an encounter of what your trail cameras picked up, picked up from opening of season to the end of season, where they've been, where they're, you've been documenting them at, what you've seen them do. Because a lot of times that historical data can be used and very useful for the upcoming season. We're I think talk that's about some that. of the best information you can have. For sure. Um, we talk about, I mean, you, you hear um, most recent information stuff thrown out there. But mm-hmm. to me... It's the historical information about a buck that helps me almost more than the... I would rather take last fall's patterns and activity over the last week's activity. Yes. Um, and so... And, and here, here's why real quick. Because especially in timber ground, you've got acorns generally every year to some degree. You've got, in our area, a lot of terrain. So as soon as temperatures really start changing and getting cold, they're going to switch up their bedding. You've got food plots that aren't changing. They're in the same locations. But what what stays pretty consistent, I say pretty consistent, is the how the weather patterns change over, over the year, over the course of the fall, and how deer react to them, and which areas they're using at which time of the year. That's where the historical data comes in, and in those areas, when the deer start transition to get to those, if you've looked at that past data, you know, okay, I need to start focusing on this area because they're going to start using food plot X, and they're going to be betting on slope Y, whatever it is. But you already know that from past years, so your tree stands set, you're waiting on the right wind, you're confident that they're going to be in there. And if it comes up on camera, you're like, yep, they made that transition, and you're still waiting on that wind, boom, you can go in and capitalize. But if you if you had waited and just looked at the trail cam information from that week, that pull, that card pull, and you didn't have a stand set up, well, shoot, now you got to go in there, bust in there, put a stand up. 
So use that data from last year to help you this year and getting everything set up. So think about that as we're going through our hit list and talking about what we saw last year and years prior as they're getting older and how we're going to use that to help us connect on them this fall. Sounds good. Um, when we list out our hit listers, some of these are going to be past We'll explain if we have a past history with them, and then if they're kind of a new buck, and if they're a new buck, we're not going to talk about them a whole lot. We're just going to introduce them. So in future podcasts, and and we're have some pictures of these guys too coming post episodes or not yeah. episodes, but vlogs, whatever we're going to call them, yeah. just short videos. Yes, we said it. We're coming out with some short videos. What? What? Um, and that's that's going to be uh, something else you guys can follow along. Oh yeah, um, you'll, you'll so, enjoy it. I, I well, they better. <laughs> yeah. We're gonna pour our heart and soul into that, just like this podcast. So, yep. Uh, first number, I guess, and I'll t- I'll share my target number one. And Matt can say his target number one for each property. Um, when we go oh to the, gosh, the home base, think, um, we've got Mesa, who's a big nine pointer, Mule, Hippie, Flair, and the Big Eight. Now, the Big Eight, that's name is not s- settled yet. Um, Big Eight is obviously not a, a great name. We know that. <laughs> but it's kind of one of those he's lower on the priority list right now because we haven't had a lot of pictures of him, but he has started showing up more lately. So we'll probably have to get creative with the name. But starting off, Mesa. Mesa is a great-looking buck, nine-pointer. Um, first off, um, and i, I got to get over to Deer Lab. Yes. Um, I was going to say, let's talk about Deer Lab a little bit because this is the program that we – used to organize, categorize, analyze some other type of lizing photos. Like this is a great storage um, software program developed to analyze in-depth deer ah. profiles, movement, mm-hmm. everything you can imagine. You can play with the with the settings and see if they're moving on. They prefer this wind to move in this area. I'm hot on hot spots. Are you on it right now too? I'm on it. Yeah. Okay. Oh, I'm yeah. on Mesa's profile. Right okay. Now. Yeah. I got and you. so as we mentioned Mesa, I'll just talk about. You know, his keep in mind the these most of his pictures have came in the in during the summer months. So yes. Um, I I can filter it if I want, but as of right now, it shows him moving from 10 p.m. to 2 a.m. the most. <laughs> yeah. I'm only going to get him with the spotlight, and we don't do that. So uh, then we look at areas. Uh, looks like brushy bottom is where he's at most where he gets picked up that trail camera location the most yeah so we go over to wind this is what i I love deer lab for this like yeah no other software that i've experienced like this and looks like southeast wind is his dominant wind that he moves on um at 35 percent 35 percent of the times that camera is capped or any camera is captured on your farm or the lease he's moving with a southeast wind that's that's interesting this is the first time i've ever looked at mesa's sightings Mm-hmm. And uh, you can definitely see, Matt, that when it comes to the moon, that it just on these pictures. Yeah, just on these ones. That, uh, that there's up. more sightings, bar none, on either a waxing gibbous or a waning gibbous. Hmm. Which is everything else is like one to two sightings. One has four. The other two, waxing gibbous and waning, both have seven. Yeah. So, and. W- that's that's w- a whole other podcast down yeah. the road. The down moon the road. phase and and what our opinion moon is on that. and all. You're this gonna stuff. have to yeah. tag along for that. That's a that's a we'll three, get there. 
three podcast thing. But yeah. Um, so yeah, and the heat map. The heat map is what's really cool about Deer Lab with um, with this buck. Of course, he's been in three locations, and you can see Matt and never yeah. nobody else can. But if we're looking at the locations of where he's been. Um, there's cameras all in between where we've gotten pictures of him, and he's not showing up on those cameras. Mm-hmm. Makes you wonder, okay, how's he getting there? Yeah. Um, well, and I think when you're talking about the wind, um, and which he, which one he prefer, preferred, excuse me, um, it, it all, it, it's amazing to me because of the area that he's in. It's got steep ridges and a big valley that he's spent a lot of time on, mm-hmm. um, and what that southeast wind does in the area that he's concentrating in. Like how how, do, how does that wind? Why is he preferring that wind to move? Um, maybe in that area because of the, t- the terrain, he can scent more of the area. He can cover more of the area, which makes sense because it's coming up the valley. He can smell a lot more. Um, I know you all listening may not know that, but just putting it all together, you know, he can survey a lot more area, be more secure when he's got that southeast wind um, to get to these lo- camera lo- locations. And, you know, that's just stuff that we're talking about Deer Lab can do for you on your place is analyze these different, you know, wind, moon, the heat map, the different photos, time of the, timing that they're moving. Last um, seen 21 days ago, uh, August the 3rd. That was the last time we saw Mesa. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, most active, tended, like, well, gives his whole. Actually. Well, yeah. The, the logger, logger saw him. The logger saw him. Yeah. Um, really but recently. On camera. Yes. Most active camera, it gives a list of that area, um, cameras with activity, and then most active moon phase. So really cool. Uh, awesome software. It is, It's it's and it's very simple to use. But. Oh, for sure. So that's it on Mesa, just a big, clean nine-pointer. Well, oh, and, and, and you found the shed. Found the shed last year of this deer in the, in the area close to where we're talking about this majority of his sightings. Um, in that area, what was it? It was late January, mm-hmm. early February time yep. frame. Um, found it actually in the cut cornfield. Yeah, we were we were looking for sheds and just kind of walking through, and then it was like, hey, look at this thing. And like, man, that is a good shed. And we'd actually seen Mesa late season last year. Yep. Mm-hmm. It, did and, your and brother? That same, same it, yeah, spot, same same cornfield. Corn yep. Which is kind of the core of the three areas he's been active for in. For sure. So that kind of goes with the game plan for Mesa's. Early during the fall, he's on the western part of my farm. Mm-hmm. Um, and we had a few pictures of him up there at night last year. Yep. And then he shifted, and he was down on the lease. Yep. And that's kind of where he was the whole time. And, and daylight, though. And daylight. We, we had so sightings with him. Right now, Mesa's attack is if we can get him on camera early. Um, and keep in mind, right in his core area is where the main part of the logging operation is going on. Mm-hmm. And based on past history... Uh, and talking with clients dealing with and friends that deal with timber operations they say it doesn't change the deer's pattern at all it almost improves it so he said look for the deer in that area that their home range ties in with that logging operation to that be their core area now that there's more cover for sure Um, so that's our approach with mesa knowing that there's a good chance he shows up late season on the cut cornfield for sure yep we had we had that good uh, historical information just in hunting observations of seeing him there. And we've got corn in there again, and we're going to have cover cropped and wheat, um, big 19-acre cornfield, and hopefully um, we'll have a great encounter with him there Yeah, with a bow in hand in range or even a muzzleloader. Who knows? Who knows? But he's a great deer, beautiful nine-pointer. 
just a big, beautiful Southern Missouri nine pointer. Now, yep. Mule. Ooh, Mule. M- mule is target number one for me on the family farm. Um, now, there are better deer, but Mule is just one of those uh, found match set of his. Found, I found an antler last year on the same cut cornfield, yep. and my brother ended up finding the other side on the family farm. Um, I don't know how far apart. It was a good ways apart. It was a pretty good ways apart. And he's very active the last two years. So two years ago, we had a bunch of pictures of him. This last year, we had a bunch of pictures of him. And then, of course, we're going in this fall or this summer. We've had a bunch of pictures of him. Yep. So he's a very very photogenic deer. He's a big nine-pointer with really short brow tines, like mule deer brow tines. Hence the name mule. mule. We could call him muley, but everybody's got a deer they call muley, so we <laughs> called him mule. Um, and he is really active right now on our, on our lease, but during the fall, he always turns and gets really active on the family farm. And in daylight, too. And in daylight, he works a lot of scrapes. A lot of scrapes. There's a scrape line that we had a ton of pictures on him last year. Yep. And we put a stand in place mm-hmm. late season after he'd already shifted down late season to the cut cornfield. Yep. But during October and November, there's a key portion of the family farm that he was at a lot the last two years. Yep. So now we're going into historical data going, okay, during the rut, this is his area. We placed a stand that's a very, it's a stand for killing mature deer. It's an edgy stand. You go in there and you're kind of like, ooh, we're really pushing it, but the wind is just perfect. Like, yep. we have showered, we have treated our clothes, we have stored our clothes, yep. and we are threading the needle. Um, he usually approaches from the south. Or the north, and we hunted on a northeast wind. So <laughs> the wind is in his favor, but we're just sticking our nose in his business. So it's one of those that could pay off huge, and it's on a great scrape line. It's on. It's one of my favorite parts of it, and it probably is your favorite part of the farm, Honestly, I think. And, and yes, for here, I'm going to tie in another thing that we've kind of done. In addition, and I think why he uses that area so much is, one, it, it, it's tough to get to. It's kind of in a corner of a property where there's an adjacent um, landowner who doesn't do anything. Like, it's untouched ground. No one goes in there. It's thick. But on your family farm, there's an area that recently has been enhanced. We've done quite a bit of cedar cutting in there. Mm -hmm. And then your brother and your dad this spring burned it. And there is an incredible amount of cover in that area. In that basically that we're, we're designate for many years as bedding, food, food right now, food too, right now, it's correct, ragweed, ninety percent of ragweed, <laughs> yeah. And That's why we're all kind of choked up because we spent a lot yeah. of time in that area. But that's kind of his core area. And and again, this is that that sliver of ground that's in between those two thick pieces, and it's scrape city. And he works them. That's the place to kill him. And it is late October, November. He is absolutely killable with the right winds in that area for sure i don't think uh and then as late season shifts he goes down to the cut cornfield because that's the main food source yep um now things may change because we're planting the middle field in wheat mm-hmm. um, doing some different tests i've actually had a guy reach out saying he wanted us to do more tests and that's something right. we want to do yeah 
And so we're going to be planting different species and seeing which one is more preferred and how and what we think on it. When you say middle field, for those not familiar with it, that is a pasture that yeah. is going to be grazed. It's grazed right now. Pretty heavy. And then we're going to be drilling wheat into that pasture. So if you've got ground that gets grazed pretty heavy um, late summertime on your place, we're, what we're doing and experimenting with is going in and drilling wheat into it to make that pasture a big open area that much more attractive mm -hmm. and then once season's over the cows are going to benefit from it bingo so it's the best of both worlds mm -hmm. um, easy sell for your dad to get on board with yeah. that yeah um that's pretty much it on mule target number one for me uh i think he's a beautiful deer oh, gorgeous um even though he doesn't score much frankly we don't care uh, and he's five no uh, i think he's four and a half what did he got say on here? he was like? No, I think he's five. Yeah. Yep. Maybe four and a half. I don't know. I haven't really studied him too much to figure that out. But um, I, he's mature. We know that. He's on the list. He's on the list. But not to say that there aren't three and a half year olds somewhere on that we're hunting that, yeah. that aren't going to make the list because they are three and a half. Because, frankly, if they make us happy, we're going to be whacking them. Yep. Um, and Mule is one of those that he, he made the list last year, even though he could have been three. But he was just a fantastic dude. Why don't we just talk about now? That's the thing about a hit list. A hit list is it, what makes you happy. And everyone's hit list the, is different. Like My advice always, and how many times have you been – I've got so many pictures lately. Of course, I love – some people sending me pictures yeah. on Instagram, sending them to Land Legacy <laughs> page. How <laughs> old? How old? How big? What do you think he scores? Should I shoot him? And, I, and my first question is always, would you be happy if you shot him? And if they say yeah, then don't ask any more questions. Shoot the deer. Um, don't Enjoy base it. your hit list off of what you think somebody else's hit list would be. Yeah. It is your hit list. Develop your hit list and go from there. And if you've never uh, – I had a, there, a yeah, young, that a that young a, follower that had uh, – Tell that story. That sent a couple nice, nice bucks. He's got some really nice bucks, but he sent me another one that was a nice, nice two-and-a-half-year-old eight-pointer. Mm-hmm. Um, he goes, what do you think? And I said, great young deer, great, beautiful buck. Mm -hmm. And he goes, should I shoot him? And I said, I don't know. Would you be happy with him? He goes, well, I've never shot a buck. And I'm like, then I wouldn't hold back for <laughs> nothing. <laughs> no kidding. Um, and come to find out, I mean, he had been watching a lot of shows and, and following along and felt like that there's a lot of people that pass that deer up. And so he should pass that deer up. Mm -hmm. And I, that's absolutely not the case and and what we what we want our listeners to do is if you see a deer and he gets your heart pumping and you get you get your adrenaline, adrenaline pumping and you're like, in. "Oh my goodness, I'd love to shoot that deer." Shoot it. Enjoy that experience. That's what carries on the tradition of hunting. Because it's an enjoyable experience. And if you're out there to please other people, then you're probably doing it for the wrong and reason. please, please, please don't downgrade somebody else's buck. Yeah. Oh, because yeah. you wouldn't shoot it, but if they shot it and they're pumped up with it, you get pumped up with them Absolutely. as well. It's the experience, and everyone experiences things differently. It's all, And it's all about perspective. So if someone shoots that deer and you're like, I would have passed it, and they're happy, extend the handshake. Like, dude, that's awesome. I'm glad you had a good mm -hmm. time. We're hunters. Let's get yes. along. So... Moving on. Next one. Hippie. Hippie's Ooh. a new buck. Hey. That showed up uh, this this summer. 
and he's a really nice buck. He is. He's a big 10-pointer, and he's kind of in an area that if he keeps up the pattern, I think we can get on him opening day. Unfortunately. Depending on the weather. Right. Um, the thing is, he's really patternable right now at 7.30 in the morning. Uh, yeah. The, and and he, it goes... Dawn, dusk right now, he's like, oh, yeah. I see you, buddy. I see you working. You he's are really daylight. close to his bedding area. Oh, yeah. And he's and he's in a cool area, so he's moving during daylight. Uh, and it may go against what... Now, keep in mind, last week we talked about humidity, and now we don't hunt a lot of mornings. Yep. And... I think there comes a time where you, it's always a coin flip, basically, of going, okay, when is it go time? When do I need to move in to harvest this buck? And if this buck's still on a pattern early in the morning, like 730, during the first part of season, and we catch a day where the humidity is low and the wind is right, we're going in after him. Yep. Even though we don't hunt a lot of mornings, we're still going in after that buck. And so that's going to be the the stopwatch right now is how long is he going to stay in that pattern? Now, we're coming up on the end of September. And end of August. End of August and the beginning of September. And so we're looking at, okay, it's it's really, what is it? It's like 21 days. Oh, stop it, is it? Something like that. Um, 20, 20, uh, it's just over 20 days till opening day here in Missouri. So if this buck stays on the, oh on the pattern... Woo, we're going to be after him. He is a beautiful deer. We'll be posting pictures of him on our podcast. We may make a collage of all these bucks mm-hmm. and uh, so you can see him. But Hippie's a new guy. Don't have much history, but he is on the hit list. Matt, is that your number one guy you'd like to shoot? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I, they're all good. Man, that's the thing. It's like anyone on there is a great, great deer. Um, I like Hippie. Yeah, I like he's beautiful. I, but Flair is Flair, beautiful. I think for some reason Flair is I think it's got my eye a little bit. He's, Flair is the next one on our list and he is very much a go back here. There he is right there. Um he is a nice pretty uh, it sounds too pretty? simple to say a nice pretty deer. I was, <laughs> I was trying to pump him up and it came out nice pretty deer. Um He's a great deer. He's got great brows. Um, he's just a good, clean eight-pointer. Well, he's not really that clean. I mean, he's, he's a clean eight-pointer, but he's got that kicker off his yeah. base. Um, but he's a beautiful deer, and he's also in the same area that Hippie's at. So we're kind of waiting on those deer to bust up, and we'll have a better idea of where they're headed and now, how we can get on them. If if the weather does cooperate and season rolls around, you've got a couple of these deer bass are grouped up. They come in. What do you do? Go. Mule. Mule. Take a mule. Taking mule. All right. Got a history with him. He means more to me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, even because though even though Hippie would score and look a lot bigger. Yeah, yeah. Uh, mule is just, you know, you build up that history with the deer, and that's just the one you want to hang it, your hat on. It's funny how a deer can just ingrain himself in your brain, and you're just constantly thinking about it. Mm-hmm. What is he doing? And, and, and right Mule, now? I mean, he doesn't score much at all. No. He's not that – he hangs on a wall at Bass Pro Shop, and you go, who hung that one up there? Yeah. Like, <laughs> he's, he's 115, 120. Um, but the he, frame, you said – you're probably someone was like, 115, 120? He's on his – the deer's frame is awesome on this yeah, thing. Yeah, he's, he's – And he's mature. He's mature. 
But the thing is, he's got history. We found yeah. his match set. That We never found a match set on the family farm. Mm-hmm. And so I just picture harvesting him and mount and – and you know how I am. I'm not a shoulder mount guy. Yep. I don't. I'm not a big mount guy. I don't. I don't mount a lot of deer. But if they really mean something to me, then I'll mount them. Like sticker eight last sure. year, mounted him. Beautiful Absolutely. deer. Look at him every day. Um, Yule would be one of those deer where I would mount him and and put those sheds next to him. Oh, it'd be and awesome. Be like, okay, that that's cool. Oh yeah. And that's why mule is my number one. Mm-hmm. So, I like I like all of them. Yeah. I don't. I, I, I love lamp. That's what <laughs> yeah, I love. I love hit list. <laughs> yeah. So flare is the last one we talked about. Nice, cool eight pointer. Um, and then we had the big eight yeah. on the eastern side of the farm. That's been a kind of a new guy show up. That's a really cool deer. He may be three and a half. We're not sure, but he's got a nice frame. Got great mass. He, if he's four, it doesn't really matter. No. If he shows up, we're gonna whack him. Um, he's he's a good deer. He's old enough. Yeah, yeah, um, and and keep in mind, like when we're managing our farm, we do pass a lot of young bucks. Oh yeah, but we've sure. shot a lot of young bucks over the years, and so we don't really need to for in our in our situation. It's like I don't really need. I'll shoot does for meat. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, to me, it's all about the management and and improving the habitat and seeing them get older and and I don't know. It's just watching them grow until they reach that. Where they get that sense about them where they're hard to get on. They're hard to, to get in front of your stand. That's when it's fun. And uh, so the Big 8 is also on the list. And then we have one that's MIA that was all over it last two years. We had him all through the late season last year. I'm waiting for him to show up. That was a buck we called Beamer. Another big, clean 8-pointer. Um, a lot longer main beams than the others. So... That pretty much wraps up. You got anything else you want to talk about on the hit list and in the Prairie Hollow Mansfield Farm? I think we we talked a little bit about some of the his, the, the history we have with a lot more of these deer um, there at, at that place. And I, 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 again, I, that is so important to what we what we do and how our hunting strategy revolves around the past data and if you if again if you're someone who's who's sat and watched a deer from two three and he's four now go back and study what your cameras have have picked up and what they've done because that's how that's how you need to be thinking and should be thinking and planning your fall when's the right time to get in there i think but more importantly when's the right time to stay out of there because mm-hmm. there's there's a prime time and there's not so prime time. Don't waste your your hunting hours on the not so prime time areas. Mm-hmm. Get in there where where it's right and you got and you got the best opportunity and it, and you'll be more successful. As we mentioned before too on this whole Prairie Hollow property man, uh, family farm hunt is the logging operations going on right now. Yep. So we can say all this and then we get some information right out of the the gate on september 15th we pull a card and we're like oh so-and-so's here he was here the last two afternoons and we go in there and he does something completely odd but i don't see a lot of bucks doing oddball things unless there is a brain abscess or something it's they're pretty to me i've always seen their patterns shift a lot the same way year after year Mm -hmm. here's the summer range here's the fall winter range and then they go back to their summer range and every year they kind of shift now that's not to say that they don't do it, but for the most yeah. part, it's pretty pretty similar. But let's move on to Lebanon. Let's do it. Lebanon Farm is 
Very Honestly, exciting. This is this is the one you're t- asking me, trying to figure out which pinpoint a, a deer on on the Prairie Hollow place that is top. Honestly, this Lebanon farm has got me really, really excited. Mm-hmm. Really excited because of the sheer number of different deer that we've seen that are mature through the summer. Not have a big consistent basis with them, but have just popped up. And what we suspect, because this farm just planted, how many, I don't even know how many acres, roughly. Two fields, how about that? <laughs> two, two large fields of uh, soybeans this summer. Soybeans, to our knowledge, haven't been planted there in many, many, many years. And it's got alfalfa. Probably under 30 acres, 20 to 30 yeah, acres. Yeah, I would say 20 to 30. And it's on already another got portion, alfalfa. It's yeah. got beans now. It's got corn that they cut for silage and then cover crop usually with wheat and turnips and stuff like that. Um, this is a cattle farm also, yeah. we might add. Definitely. Um, there's areas where the cows are that we – and the cows go into a lot of the woods. Yep, they're not And so they're not this farm off. is very unpredictable. We're not the only people that hunt this property either. No, no. And that's what goes into building the hit list too is, okay, I like that deer. Now, if we're – if we're on a thousand acre piece, we're the only ones hunting it. I don't know if we'd shoot it or not. Yeah. Um, but we do have to consider, okay, if this deer steps out in front of us, are we going to shoot it or not? Mm-hmm. And if if we pass him up, is he even going to make it through the season anyway? And basically the question is, though, are we happy with him? Yep. And so with all that being said, there's a lot more variables with this pro- with this property than, than our family farm. Um with the other people hunting it, the changing food source. Like alfalfa is a great attractant, and we could talk about, okay, we can go out there and scout and be like, oh, they're hammering the alfalfa, they're hammering the alfalfa, and then the day before season he goes in and cuts it. We Not got so nothing. attractive anymore. Yeah. and Or we're banking on the beans, and then he goes and cuts the beans. Yep. And we're like, uh-oh. And so the whole – that's what's so much fun to me about Lebanon. We haven't hunted it a lot, so we don't know a lot of the past history, where deer move, what's attracting. They can go in and cut the beans, cut the alfalfa, chop the corn, move the cows around. It's always changing. There, it's a puzzle, and we have a lot of pieces. How they fall or how they lay is the game. And it all depended upon timing, farming operations – frosts and when mm-hmm. things really turn on and when they aren't so hot anymore and there's a creek in that property if we get a bunch of rain we can't hunt half the farm yeah so we can't even access it um yeah and then, and then the cattle when when they get turned in off pastures into some of the the cut corn area or cover cropped areas or it, it changes a neighbor goes in and hunts and walks through the core area and pushes the deer out and now he's nocturnal yeah. and we don't know it yeah and those are the so, challenges that a lot of people face and we're staring them down right here on this property but it's a fun challenge yeah uh obviously we'll start out the hit list with one of the most unique deer i've ever got on my cameras yeah uh and we toyed several names white fang white velvet what was the other medusa Medusa. but we came with a new one actually my brother dubbed him this uh yeah for good reason too it's a hilarious story um along ah we'll tell it anyway snakes is this deer's name because he's got a whole bunch of spikes that kind of ball up at the end as they were growing so it looked like a bunch of snakes and then the name snakes from home alone 
Um, Keep your no good ugly you dirty know, keister off, off my, my property. property. <laughs> that was snakes that got mowed down. So. Yeah. Snakes. 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 I, I've never heard of snakes. I don't know of snakes. So <laughs> that buck's name is Snakes, and he's definitely mature. Um, he's a really unique deer. I don't know what he'll score or what he will even amount to. Shoot, he could go knock them all off here in a week, and we would still probably try and shoot him if we could. <laughs> probably. Um, very cool. We're rednecks. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we're just legal. You just you just now realize that. <laughs> oh, somebody said you guys not listening. Here's your sign. Yeah. So snakes, um, snakes is so cool. Um, just, he just showed so, up this year. So we have no history with him. We have kind of a game plan because he's been hitting the beans. So we yeah. are going to try and move in and get him while he's on that early season afternoon pattern going to the beans. For sure. Um, Anything else on snakes? Uh, he's just so wild, dude. Yeah. Like, and, and he's a wild pictures card. of him yeah. all fall or uh, all, all summer. Fall, all summer. Man, We're going to share really... some this fall with the harvest picture. Yeah. Um, so but, that's snakes. The yeah. next one is a deer. It's the wide eight, but I nicknamed him Slingshot mm-hmm. because his G3 and G2 are about the same length, so it looks like a slingshot um, out there. He's a 20 <sighs> inches wide, maybe, yes. probably even more. Just a beautiful. Now I've always been a tall eight pointer guy, but he's a big wide eight pointer, um, and he he's still flares out on the end. Um, a great, great looking deer. Good main beams. Not incredible tine length, but all around a great buck and mature. He, he's a he's a good deer, and he's hanging out more up to the north, um, in and around that alfalfa field. That all may change. But right now, that's where he's at, and um, th- that creek kind of snakes around that alfalfa field, and that's that's a huge plus for us to be able to access where this deer and many of the other ones on We the can list. access this one a lot easier than we can snakes. Much easier. And that creek system, it's high banks. We used it actually during turkey season to harvest multiple birds. It's filthy. It's It's very, very deadly. And um, that's the technique and access point that we're going to be using to get back into where these deer hopefully are going to be during the early season and sneak in, got stands in place, and hopefully encounter this deer, if not some of the other deer, using the northern portion of the property on the alfalfa. It's incredible. That's a wide eight shot. Slinger. And uh, it's between him and the tall eight. For you, there's for there's the big ten, the tight ten, tight ten. That is that's probably the he's score, score he wise. He the, he'd be he's the got biggest. the biggest tines, but, but he, he's tight. I mean, yeah. as the name says, tight ten. I think for me, it's between the eight pointer, not not the one we just not slingshot, but the other one that we just talked about or just mentioned, and tight ten the are my are my so favorite. the tall eight, tall eight, and, and the tight, tight ten. 10. Okay. Titan. Why don't we just call him Titan? We can call Titan. him Titan. 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 Yeah. Yeah. We'll just call him Titan. Titan. We're, see, we're making up this hit list as we go. Yeah. People are going to think these aren't even real deer. <laughs> oh, no. They're just making up names and saying this. <laughs> oh, they call this one Soybeans. He's over there. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. Call BS on that. Yeah. Um, so, Titan. Are you on? T- oh, no. You're uh, on. 
You're on. I'm tall going eight. down my list, man. This is the tall eight. We oh. posted pictures of him. He's my number one there. Oh, he's incredible. Beautiful deer. Uh, his he's almost. You know, I, I think of I think of a buck when I when I look at the tines on this one. Um, he's not as massive as this one. Mark Dury had a buck years ago called Chiquita because mm-hmm. he said his his tines look like bananas and they kind of curled, curled in. in. Yeah. That's the same way this one is. They kind of curl in, and uh, he's just a beautiful deer. He's my number one. For he is sure. the classic. If you were to think of an eight point, that is this deer. He's picture perfect. He he's probably would 18, look eighteen, nineteen wide. Yeah, incredible. Great main beam lengths, too. Yeah. Yeah. So he's a beautiful deer. Definitely my number one. Um, Even if he was two and a half, I would be going, (laughs) okay, sign me up. That, I mean, he, and what? He's four and a half at least. Yes. Oh, yeah. Great. All day long. All day long. Yeah. Um, Tight 10. This is a deer. And we we suspect that. Chad saw this deer two years ago. Yes. Late season. Um, chasing the doe. Wasn't it chasing the doe? I don't remember. He he probably told us a lie anyhow. Said, he probably said, oh, I had an encounter there, and then messing yeah. up our game plans. No, I'm just kidding. But he thinks, he suspects just based on the antler characteristics, um, two years ago he had an encounter with this deer, and tight 10 is a very, very large deer. Um, obviously now very mature I'm easy saying five and a half on this mm-hmm. one. Um, he's not real wide. He's probably only 15 wide. Right. He's got 12 inch G twos and threes, and G G fours are five inches easy. easy. Um, brows are five inches, so he's just a good looking deer. Uh, I don't know. I, I he hasn't been on the camera a whole lot. That's he why has I'm, not I'm banking on the other deer because this one's been kind of hit and miss all summer. But from that historical data, we can say maybe he he's out. not summering here as much, and and later on, boom, he's going to come in. He's on the northern side of the property, but Chad yep. saw him during hunting season on the southern part. So, yep, that could come into play, and uh, we're ready. Either for way, it. we're going to be pumped to put a tag on this guy. Oh, for sure, for sure. And then the Tight last ten. one, Mr. Magoo, Mr. Magoo, and I'll share the story on how he got his name. <laughs> he looks like a when you look at him from a distance you're like wait he looks kind of like a six pointer but i can't really no he looks like an eight so he and he's got a notch in his ear uh he just is a kind of a he's an interesting person and he kind of looked like a six but then he turned and he was an eight and you're like oh and it's almost like he was and then from another angle you're like oh he's a seven pointer first glance so you never really could it was almost like he was a a spy or like somebody who incognito oh, yeah incognito that's the word i was looking for and then and Mr- matt came up with mr magoo because he was a spy come to find out mr magoo's not a spy yeah, but we I already like the name so his name's mr magoo <laughs> even though it's not fitting <laughs> you know what you just you learn things when you go on to google yeah. mr uh, magoo's not a spy but this guy is mr magoo and he's a he's a good looking deer the most impressive thing i see on him are his bases, and right there at his brows, he's got some incredible mass. It almost like palmates a little bit right mm-hmm. there, that gap between his brow. thought it was his brow. ear. Yeah, laid but, back at first based on the angle, but they've really kind of palmate out a little bit, and it's very, very thick mass right there in that area. And great threes on that deer, too. Yeah. <laughs> really incredible threes. So that's it on the, on the Lebanon property. Yep. Um, we've got five... 
five of them for sure on the hit list. Who for knows sure. what else shows up? And that, that's uh, what, it's kind of a sleeper, you know. That property there's a lot of a lot of um, creek systems and, and a lot of drains. That we could talk all day. We could make three podcasts about this property. Oh, sure. And then a, a oddball comes storming in, and we shoot it. And we're like, hey, look, we shot a nice buck, and <laughs> have no history. No. Yeah, that's the thing about this. Part. I don't see that happening as much on my on my farm. Yeah. Um, but when you hunt new properties and you are. Uh, with a creek system and stuff like that, like this Lebanon and property. Wood, big wood blocks on both sides yeah. of it. You just you never, never know. really know. Never really know. Um, so that's our 2017 hit list on two of the properties we're going to be focusing a lot on. But now we're going to kind of switch gears a little bit and talk about our Kansas lease. And our good friend Richard Lee, who we hunt up there with, and... Actually, tomorrow we're going to Kansas to work on the lease prior to season. But I think it, it'd be really, hopefully, informative for people. I, I'm just curious. Everyone raise their hands. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm curious. Hey, guys, raise your hand. Call in. Yeah, exactly. Um, how many people, I'm sure that this is the case because we all have busy lives and have stuff going on, Little mm-hmm. League and soccer and all kinds of stuff. So there's always a time where you're like, I need to get this work done, but it's almost season. Yeah. And this is a problem a lot of us face. And we talked about it back in the summer about things to do now so you don't have to do that in the in, in August. But here we are, and it's August, and we're talking about going to do this stuff. Oh, yeah. Um, it just, it's like, real life. <laughs> it is. And it's problems we all face unless we live on the property and we don't have a job, yeah. which almost never happens. So. Oh, yeah. Um, one day, <laughs> yeah, one day. That's the dream, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, I want to be a hermit on a thousand acre family farm. Okay, perfect. Let's make that happen. No, um, but seriously, I do. Yeah, <laughs> I think we all do. Um, but the other side of that is, um, it happens for almost everybody. Well, it's it, happening for us, so it's time. Yeah. Instead of making excuses, we're going to these farm or this farm to do some work. Before deer season. Now, keep in mind, deer season doesn't – it opens up in, I think, youth season is like the first 11th. week September in September. 11th in Kansas, yeah. And then turn around and, and then for the rest of it's September 11th. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And right. so season opens up pretty quickly. But we don't make it out there usually till October. Late October, yeah. And so that's why we can afford and that's what helps us sleep at night is even though we're going out late, we're still not going to be there for a while. And, and, that's, that's and a, this property is a unique property. We're not going into the core area. It's west. It's north central Kansas. There's mm-hmm. not a whole lot of cover areas because it's a lot of crop fields around here. And the areas, the core areas where we see a lot of deer coming from, we're staying out of. Yep. Yep. And obviously that correlates with how we hunt. We don't bust into all these areas. But just like Adam was talking about, Richard Lee, who we hunt up there with, He's out of Florida. He's a busy guy. He, he's he got a business. He runs um, uh, a home contracting, yeah, construction business. And this is the time that he has to be able to go out there, and our schedules just match up now. So, you know, he's flying in to do some work. We're going to meet him out there, pick him up at the airport, and, and head out there and, and work this weekend. But we wanted to talk about the management strategies on a lease because there's so many people um, are, are find themselves in a situation just like we are right now 
trying to improve some habitat things and improve the hunting. Uh, but, you know, there's some restrictions on some leased ground that you can and can't do. So let's talk about what we're planning on doing. Hopefully that will be able to correlate and give you some ideas of how to improve the hunting this fall on your lease. And let's just go get started. I think, Adam, you talked about it real briefly there. This is crop ground. This property sets itself up a lot different from surrounding areas. We've talked a lot about timber all summer long mm-hmm. and managing in timber property, but this is our chance to go, okay, we know how to hunt or we're hunting crop ground. Yes. And I mean, when you look around there, the only really, only really cover is in rough areas and along the river. Yep. And this property has a river run right through it. It's a big part of what we do. We'll talk about it in a little bit, but when you think about crop ground, I always think about food. My gosh, in the summer, there's beans and corn and everywhere. wheat, whatever, everywhere. And then combines start rolling out in August, September, October, and all of a sudden that food is gone, and we're looking at and lip, cover is gone, lip high. Yeah, you go from you think about all the people that have hunted, all the videos we've watched over the years, and in Illinois, I always think Pike County, Illinois, and guys are sitting there and like, well, the corn's still standing, deer aren't not seeing many deer and they're like deer out in those corn they're bedded down in the cornfield eating corn and they don't ever have to move very far um and when so corn gets cut then it's like they're pushed on. to those wood lots and yes. those and those wooded fingers and and rivers so that's a, a good kind of, i hope gives a good feel for this area we're talking i think i i put it on google earth and it was over 200 acre field mm-hmm in the middle of this property. Yeah, so that's that's big, monstrous. <laughs> Is <field>. that big? <laughs> yes. I, I remember the first time I went out there and sat in the stand over overlooking it. I was like, oh, my gosh. If there's a deer on the – if you're standing on one side in the timber and there's a deer on the other side in the timber, you really can't see it with the naked eye. No. It takes binoculars. No, yeah. And so – For real, though. This property is covered with crops or all around it and the, the main chunks of woods and – and bedding areas are along the river in sloughs. That's yep. pretty much it. And so now keep in mind, food everywhere, and then once it gets cut, there's not much food everywhere. So how can we improve this property for hunting? We can plant food plots. Mm-hmm. And there's a three-and-a-half-acre field that doesn't really ever produce great yields for the farmer, and so it's kind of fallow field. So we're going to plant it in a fall mix. Yep. And especially this year after he's like, you know what, it's not it's not worth my time. I'm not planting it this spring. Just to waste money and time and diesel on that field, I'm not doing it. So he said, have at it. Gave us permission to be able to plant a fall crop in there, and that's what we're going to do. And there's a couple of other areas um, on the place, and these are lot just smaller. A lot smaller, maybe half acre. One's even a, a quarter, if that. Um, small little areas that we've seen a lot of activity in over the past couple of years. And it's, it's a simple, we're out there three days. So it's going to be a spray, broadcast, drag, or roll kind of planting method. Or the method. clover, we're just going to broadcast. Yeah, exactly. It. And, and it's that simple. And think about this property as far as when you think of timber, and I think of timber, is it's always tough to find bottlenecks and travel corridors because you've got 400 acres that look the exact same. Mm-hmm. And it's all closed canopy, and it's just a pain. But when you look at areas like crop country and wide open country, deer really bottleneck to where they travel these wood lots and these little edges. 
And if we can create a little food plot to steer the deer into that yeah, to where if they're going through this 100-acre or 100-yard strip of timber and they really, it, they're in the first 20 yards or they're 100 yards deep, it, there's really no difference. But if we can take a food plot to where all the deer pass through there, they come to that food plot to check a scrape, to grab a quick bite, and then go to bedding area. That's what we're trying to do. Right. That's the, that's the whole concept of planting these food plots. We know we're not feeding the deer with these no. food plots as no. far as trying to if, – if we don't plant these food plots, the deer aren't going to survive. We're planting these food plots for a hunting strategy, and that's it. Period. And – and over the years, we've now been able to hunt out there two falls, and we've learned a lot over the fall, um, past couple of seasons, how deer are reacting in the areas that we really need to enhance and then concentrate deer. Some of these areas that the food plots, these little kill plots are going in, are, are wider. They don't bottleneck down, just like Adam talked about. So by putting them there, we know in that general area, a lot of deer are coming, but let's make it a little more attractive in a specific location we can hunt and that has a, a opening that's already established, and let's plant that, and then just call it good, mm-hmm. and and, you know, and add a add a bio rock or some sort of mineral yeah to yeah. that area during the summer, and then you put up a mock scrape and mm-hmm. or you just make it more make, make it, it more enticing. Yes, so there's all kinds of things that they need or want in that area, and that is just I, I'm excited about that. We've never had food plots out there, um, and we've never had. You know, once they harvest the crops, it's kind of like they're going to cut bean field that's 100 acres. And yeah. you're like, I don't know where they're going or coming from, but yep. that's the plan. So this year is going to change that up. So when we go out there this weekend, we're going to be spraying, broadcasting, getting food plots in. And, and that's another point right there is all those techniques. Like some, I know there's a lot of people, a lot of our friends that have other leases that they go to. And it's like, I have a weekend to be able to plant. I can't, you know, I can't spend all weekend spraying or mowing and disking and then planting and then cultivating all this other stuff like i have very limited time and we have other stands that we need to hang and move so doing this like spray go in and broadcast and roll that technique that system can be done very very quickly and even if you're not planting big species like let's just say you want to stick to clover and brassicas you don't need to roll it no you can just broadcast it on the ground such small seed they will get into this to the seed bed at the appropriate depth mm-hmm. and this is the other thing we have you checked weather is there rain coming shortly after i think, I think so. there's a i think there's a chance on tuesday yeah. after we leave but either way this was our time to plant so if you're if you're planting the 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 grasses like the um the wheat or an oat or something and you want to cover that seed you want to do the rolling that's also going to help if there's soil moisture, conserve that until you do get a rain. Again, if we didn't if we didn't have rain coming in like Tuesday time frame, um, you know that that's our option. That's what Sunday. we have to do. Sunday. There's, there's rain, rain on Sunday, Saturday night actually. So well, we'll be planting on Friday on s- and Saturday. Yeah, absolutely. But that's that's the thing that you you can't control. You ha- you know when you can go out there. You're scheduling it most likely months in advance or, or whatever. If you're a non-resident or you just have to travel a long ways, you do what you can, and you make the best of it. And it's all about finding the quickest way to get things done. Quickest for, and efficient. And the biggest bang for your buck. Exactly. And exactly. for us, the food plots is a big bang for our buck because we're steering the deer. Another thing we're doing to steer deer, Yes. not to jump ahead, but we have no. other stuff on the list, but we are uh, 
I think we're coming up on an hour, so we're going to boogie through this. But um, we're going to be hinging trees to steer the deer as well. So we talked about, let's say we have a 100-acre strip, and we have a, let's say we walk 20 yards in to a little opening that's a food plot. So we want those deer to go through that. You said 100-acre, 100-yard strip. 100-yard strip. Yep. And we walk 20 yards in. So there's another 80 yards past the food plot that we don't want the deer really to be walking through there a lot. We want them in range. We want to send them through range. So we're going through. We have the landowner's permission to hinge cut some trees that aren't going to ever provide any profit to him. So hackberries and little old dogwoods or mulberries. There's a mulberry out there. Um, honey locusts. Yep. That's every other tree out there. <laughs> and we're going to cut those trees and hinge some of those trees and fall them in a direction to where the deer don't really want to walk through it. It's a little bit of it's an a, obstruction. It's an obstruction. They kind of have to fight to get through it, and it just makes it easier for them to go now towards the food plot. Exactly. It encourages them that much more, and it's as simple as it could be three trees you need to hinge over a couple paths or trails that are outside of your effective range. Bump them down closer to that stand. Encourage them to walk through there, and it's that simple. And in Kansas, this. We've seen this year in and year out out there. There's so many deer. There's so many trails out there because you go from cover everywhere and food in the summertime to it's gone, it's harvested. And then what wooded areas you have is just an influx of deer. So you have a lot, and they have a lot of option on where they can go. So by putting these little obstructions in the trails will make hunting this 100-yard um, strip much more effective. And even there's other areas that are much larger than 100 yards that we're still um, going to be hinging on and pushing deer and falling deer just just that enough, giving them a little more encouragement to come within range. Um, now, they don't know they're coming within range because we're accessing the right way, but those are the little techniques that you can use to improve it with very little work. Sometimes you can do it with a handsaw. Or we are going oh, to take a chainsaw. Lord help us if we're out there with a handsaw. <laughs> we got chainsaws loaded up. Um, but you can yeah, do it with learned. a little quick, sharp handsaw and cut little trees. But yeah. um, you can drop some big trees and really change some travel patterns. Sure. So by adding the food plot, the mock scrapes, the minerals, um, and then hinging trees, we can take that 100-yard strip of timber and turn it into a 40-yard gap that's all within range. And that's what the whole goal is to – Take a an already good transition area and turn it into a great bottleneck. For sure. And then also while we're out there, we got to put out some more cameras. Yep, we we have to take a little more a little more inventory on what's out there. And that that of course we see it every year, just like we talked about when when grain is harvested and crops are harvested, it changes. We have a huge influx of deer um, come to to use that property. Um, so we're just gonna get. A snapshot of what we got out there and, and position cameras so when we do hunt you know we're, we're able to pull a lot of good information off of them that's going to help this us time of year a lot of people have their season. cameras on minerals yes and when we go out there we're not going to go ahead and stick them on minerals and and no. other areas where we already have established mineral sites but we're going to stick them on these mock scrape areas mineral sites mm-hmm. where they're both in frame and it's already in a transition area Yep. Um, some of these spots, like we think of the secret greenfield, mm-hmm. that's a little bitty area that has a great 
a great tree right in the middle of the little opening that yep. they scrape all around. Yep. And we're just going to go ahead and get 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 the camera on it so when they really do start scraping here in a month, then we already know who's in the area. Oh, yeah. That's, I mean. It's, you, getting, it's, it's priming yourself, getting the intel since you've been away, that when you do start hunting, you're ready. You've they, got and it. And they may not be. I mean, we're putting lithium batteries in these cameras. and Yeah. Um, that's kind of the whole concept is just even though we're in there in August, we're preparing for late November, October. Late October. Yeah, exactly. Um, Which is when we're going to be in the stand. Dude, I'm pumped. That that place <sighs> is incredible. You know, last year we've, we, we've seen really good deer every year we've been out there. And you you harvested a nice buck out there yeah. on a spot and stock. Kind of <laughs> a unique hunt. Yeah. Um, and we didn't know that deer was there. No. And so we really kind of it's it's along the Republican River, and so even though we may put the cameras up and say, okay, we have this deer, this deer, this deer, an oddball could come in and go, whoa, who's this oh, yeah, guy? For sure. Um, Chad and Richard saw a really nice buck last mm-hmm. year, and n- as far as we know, he's still with us this year, so um, he'll be a fantastic deer to tag. But. Um, there's That's one. kind of our whole our whole plan for this weekend. We're gonna hang stands. We got a, a few a, a few new stands we need to hang. Um, and the the place where we're hanging is because of the the information we've gained over the past couple of years. And due to the river that cuts through the the center of this property, we've seen the most activity close to the river. Mm-hmm. The density of deer that are on that river, traveling that river, um, through this time frame, through early to mid-November, is incredible. There's great habitat, great places to hunt on the northern section that's 1,000 yards off the river. We've had good encounters, but when we're talking about bang for the buck, it's down there on the river. And so what we're doing this year is changing our access a little bit and how we're hunting we're not going to be hunting as many um, mornings as we are on the river. We're going to save the northern portion of the property for mornings. Because what we've realized is we're doing, a, because we have to access through the river and cross through quite a bit of the um, property to get there, because it's tough to access, we're doing a little more damage than probably what we're doing good. Even though we hunt it for a week and a half or so, we know if, by after the first hunt, we've already conditioned the deer to where they're like, they're Whoa, like hey, it's a little something on? different, yeah. So we've we've realigned, re-strategized our approach this year to hunt more mornings on the northern section and in this other finger of the property, and then save the river hunts where we can get in and get out a lot better for the evening. And I think that just by not going in and diving headfirst, even though it's November, you have a week out there, it is still time. You still have to keep in mind that I there's areas I can't go just headfirst in. I need to step back and know that I'm, I'm doing some damage to my hunts if I'm accessing this in the morning or vice versa, wherever it's at or, you know, how, how your property sets up. So... We're re-strategizing, and I think Always. that's going to pay a huge dividend to us this fall. And I think that's to keep that in mind for every property we're on, and even our 
even my farm that I've hunted mm-hmm. my entire life, is to never assume that we've got the exact strategy down. Like, there's always oh, something to tweak. For sure. Now, tweak each food plot. There's some food plots where I feel like, okay, that's that's how it's set up. We're in the right tree. We've got the right screen. This is perfect. Now, that's why I like hunting new properties because it's always a challenge to get it set up correctly. And the Kansas property has been a whole new ball game. Like, we've seen a lot game. of good deer. We Oh, we've been so close on oh, so yeah. many times. But I always feel like we're just a little bit behind the plan. Yep. And so if you're looking for ways to improve your farm, one of the biggest ways is to assume that you're not right the way you're doing it. Always look for a better way. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. we're always looking for a better way on this Kansas property for sure because I've never felt like we've had it under control. Like, okay. We fully understand it. it it's a it's a very unique property. It, it, it lays unique. The timing, the density of deer, the cover that's there, the food that's there, even though it's Kansas – it is very it, it we've found it is difficult to say this tree mm-hmm. this is where it's going to happen yeah there's so many variables especially at that time of the year it's a great time to hunt great time but there's so it's many variables in the because air. it's not really we're trying to base it off of patterns and it's it's patterns of food to cover but it's the rut exactly so it all changes so much like and we could be we could be like, oh, we've got them figured out and drive back to the hunt house, and there'd be a giant that runs right across that we've had on camera all week out in the middle of the pasture. Yeah. So it's a very interesting property. But this weekend's going to be a lot of fun, a lot of work. Yeah. Um, but hopefully it's putting us one step closer to getting some giants on the ground out there. Oh, hopefully. It's going to uh, be a fun time. We, we always have a good time out in Kansas with Richard and your brother, and uh, it's just fun. We're have a, a good weekend, and most likely – Next week, kind of wrap up what we what we covered, what we did out there. Yeah. I think that uh, just an, another reminder that um, in the coming weeks, we're going to be shifting over to the Nine Finger Chronicles RSS feed and iTunes. Um, and Make so sure you subscribe you to, to them. subscribe to Dan's podcast over there. That way you can follow along because uh, you won't see us in our normal location yep. in the coming weeks. So just go ahead and start making that shift. And... Uh, Hopefully you guys got a lot of, out of this podcast, uh, building a hit list, all the things that you need to consider when building the hit list, and then also things that you could be doing this time of the year to get ready for hunting season, do's and don'ts with that. And if you have any land questions, let us know when and it comes to Mossy Oak properties. If you got any questions, you got, you're looking for a piece, let us know. We'd love to help you out. And not only that, yeah. remember that we are land specialists. Yeah consultants whatever you want to call us um we travel around that's one of the that's what basically that's what pays the bills that's what we love that's why we oh, that's what allows it. us to do this and so uh, if you guys have any questions or you you're considering hiring somebody give us a shout shoot us an email and then also follow us along on facebook and instagram all right that pretty well wraps it up for this week thanks for listening see you guys next week see ya Thanks for listening to another episode of Land and Legacy's Hunting and Habitat Management Podcast. If you like what you hear, check us out at landlegacy.tv. You can submit a viewer question right there, and we're answering the podcast, or find us on Facebook and Instagram. Feels pretty good knowing that from the beginning of time, God has called us to be a caretaker, a gamekeeper, a manager of the land.
So with that being said, don't you think we should do it all for the love of the land and the glory to God? 